Welcome to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Chris Caputo. He's currently the associate head men's basketball coach at the University of Miami. Coach, you there? Hey, what's up, bud? Not so much, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, you know, another day in paradise where we're also fighting a pandemic and a potential tropical. Gee. So I'll clip all this out. Um, you know, text me if you need me to wrap up, or you know, tell me if you want me to clip anything. Yeah, about a half hour, or uh, a little bit longer. I can trim some stuff out though. So, coach, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, my friend. Uh, can you give yourself a brief introduction to the listeners? Sure. Um, I'm Chris Caputo. I'm the associate head coach at the University of Miami men's basketball team, and uh, it's going into my 19th year of coaching, and you know, oddly, uh, also 19th year with Coach Laranega. We were at George Mason for nine years, and now going on 10 years at Miami, which, uh, as I tell people, uh, you know, when, you, when you're one place in coaching for nine years, you think, well, I'll, I'll never be anywhere this long again, and, and here, here I am going into my 10th year at Miami, so... That's awesome, Coach. You know, I, I know you grew up in New York. When did you fall in love with basketball? Yeah, um, you know, prob- probably in middle school, uh, you know, sixth, seventh grade. You know, obviously basketball in New York City at that time in particular was, you know, really, uh, one, one of the golden ages uh, of, of, of the game in New York. Uh, I went to Archbishop Malloy High School. Uh, you know, where Kenny Smith and Kenny Anderson and you know, many others uh, went. And I lived very close to Christ the King High School where, you know, obviously I, they've had a, a great program for many, many years as well. And, you know, uh, growing up pretty close to St. John's and, you know, their success in the 80s. And, and so New York basketball was, uh, it was a big thing. Um, you know, Growing up in Queens, and, and so I, I, I did uh, I fall, fell in love with the game during that time, and you know playing in the park, uh, which I know a lot of people don't do anymore, but that was that was really part of the uh, of life in, in New York City, and well, certainly I wasn't uh, one of the best players in the city, but but uh, I was a guy who loved to go to the park and play, and uh, as I got into high school, uh, you know school program there's a lot of Division One players. Uh, in the program and, and, and certainly many, many, many Division One players in our league, uh, I figured out pretty quickly that, like, hey, you know, you're probably – you're not a Division One player. You know, you'd, you'd be lucky to be a college player, which I, I was fortunate enough to do that. But uh, my, my passion never really wavered and sort of shifted into the idea that I was going to coach. Well, that's awesome, Coach. You know, you go on to be a student athlete at uh, Westfield State, a D3 program in Massachusetts. Talk about yeah. being a D three basketball player in the you know nineties early two thousands. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I feel fortunate that you know I was able to do that and get that experience. Um, you know, a lot of times you think like you know could, could would have worked out a little bit better if I was a walk on at a high major uh, or a Division one program or a manager at one of those programs, but. I don't really think I would trade my experience. I think 
even though it was at a lower level, I think playing basketball for me uh, has helped me coach basketball uh, and, and be a better coach. Uh, again, I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, no, I don't think any of our players, you know, throughout the years ever look at me and say, oh, that guy was a, a player, you know, what can I learn from him? But I do think it's, it's helped me see the game and, and feel the game in, in maybe a little bit different way than had I not played. So I'm very, very fortunate to, uh, I think, reap the benefit of that experience. That's awesome. And I know your coach, uh, Rich Sutter, you know, he's 22 years and counting, you know, the, yeah. uh, you know, how often do you stay in touch with him and, and do you follow yeah. the program much? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in touch often and I do follow the program and, you know, there's maybe a little funny anecdote that I, uh, Westfield had, had won the, uh, uh, won the MASCAC, which is all the schools in, in, in Massachusetts State League and this year and very proud of them. And, and um, you know, I think everyone sort of knows Tom Thibodeau is uh, a Salem State guy and, and play, both played and coached at Salem State. And, um, uh, you know, they were the powerhouse in the league for a long time. In fact, they were in the Final Four. Uh, my freshman or sophomore year, I can't remember which one in college, but you know, the funny thing is uh, when Westfield wins the uh, mascot, I, of course I, I text Tibbs and, you know, was uh, uh, making sure he knew that, that, you know, Westfield was in the tournament and, and not Salem. And, and uh, so we, we've had some good uh, sort of jokes back and forth about that. <laughs> you know, after you graduate, uh, you know, you joined Coach Larinaga's staff as the video coordinator at George Mason. Besides the, uh, you know, Archbishop Malloy connection, what type of relationship did you have with him or other members of the coaching staff? Yeah, you know, obviously Co Co Coach Jack Curran, who was uh, the head coach for 50 years at Malloy and obviously a legendary figure in, in basketball, um, both in New York and really throughout the country and uh, he was also a great baseball coach uh, as well. Uh, you know, he, he was he was great to me. I was not a great player for him, but but he always treated me, uh, you know, like I like I was, uh, you know, like I was a great player because he, you know, he was just great to me. And um, you know, that was the initial connection because because Coach Larinaga played. He was a great player at Malloy and, and in college at Providence College, and, and had been a coach for many years and. Um, Coach Karn and I, you know, knew I wanted to get into coaching and made some connections for me to try to help me. And, uh, you know, I, I, one of the great things about being in, in, in school in New England is, you know, you could, you could go watch high school games all the time, you know, uh, AAU games. There's a lot of stuff going on in New England, whether it be the prep school events or Hoop Hall actually I think was running events back then early on. And, uh, and then also AU stuff, you know, that Wayne Simone used to run a lot of events in Connecticut and, uh, you know, uh, hoop group and, and things like that. So, you know, kind of in some free time, I worked a lot of hoop group camps um, back then, Eastern Invitational in the summer. And I got to know Coach Laranega at an AU tournament in Connecticut. Just really tried to, you know, stay in touch with him as best I could back then via email. That was sort of a new thing back then. Um, and I, I'm sure it was a pain, and uh, but but I did try to stay in touch, and I was able to sort of get connected that way, and 
you know, it was opportunity came came along to take a volunteer position at George Mason. I jumped at it, and and obviously, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to get that opportunity. I really got to thank Coach Curran and, and and Coach Lyonega for giving me a chance. That's awesome. I gotta ask, what software were you guys using for film breakdown and film exchange? Well, there was no, um, you know, uh, Eric Conkle, who's the head coach of Louisiana Tech, and, and I. Uh, came, came in together. Eric was the third assistant, and I was like volunteer video coordinator. And really, I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. I kind of, you know, was really just a utility guy <laughs> uh, learning it. So, you know, Eric had had some experience that he had been a, a GA at both Tennessee and, and Tulsa. Um, and so, you know, I was sort of helping him with, with that stuff. But at the time, it was, uh, it was Exos, but Exos had bought a company called, and I can't remember the name of it, but they were, you know, it was, it had become Exos. I, again, I forgot the name, maybe it was Sports Pro or something like that. Uh, uh, but the point was, it was, um, it was called the Herc, and it was, it was not a laptop and it was not a desktop. It was, it was basically like a mobile desktop, believe it or not. So it was like a desktop, but it was in this case that you could like close and carry around with you like it was uh, like it was a big suitcase. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you, I spent more time trying to like fix that thing with a screwdriver than I did probably breaking down film on it. <laughs> and, um, and there was no film exchange um, software back then. It was, uh, and this is something I really, I'll tell a quick story just to, you know, again, Coach Conkle, you know, I thought having his experiences in, in doing some film exchange at Tulsa and Tennessee, they taught me a lot about that part of it. And it was, you know, we used to have to mail these letters to schools at, requesting the games that we wanted. And uh, it was very formal, you know, it was by mail, it was on stationery. And I always remember that, like, you know, Eric said, hey, you, you know, you, you need to fold these letters. Like, we should have a really tight fold on these letters when we mail them out. You know, we don't want it to be sloppy. We want it to be you know, very professional in how we send this out. And then I remember, uh, you know, doing film exchange with Dayton. And, and there was a guy who every time he sent his letter, he, he put a little handwritten, uh, you know, thank you at the bottom. And at that time, it was Shaka Smart who was doing that. And uh, I always, you know, kind of got to know Shaka that way because I was like, oh, this guy is, uh, sends a handwritten note. Sometimes people would would put a, a card in there, a handwritten card in there. So that was sort of old school, uh, you know, old school stuff. But uh, but you learned a lot about, you know, the attention to detail and taking pride in, in how your program was viewed. So I, I think that's, uh, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. You know, you named a few of those guys, you know, Eric Conkle, Bill Courtney, Scott Cherry, James Johnson, Brian yep. Eric, the list goes on. You know, you worked with some yep. great guys. What were the different job titles that you had at Mason? Well, my, my first job was sort of a video coordinator, administrative assistant, but really I, I was lucky enough that back then, you know, you could, you could work camps. So I was working camps where some of our prospects were actually, you know, participating in the camp. Uh, so that, that part was cool. And then, um, you know, obviously did some video work, helped with camps, um, was also, uh, uh, you know, just sort of a utility guy, you know, take people to the airport, uh, you know, drive with Bill Courtney. This is now, 
2002, you know, hey, we're going to drive to Hargrave from Northern Virginia. It's five hours. You know, you're going to drive with me. And uh, those are great. Those are great memories for me of, you know, sort of learn about the business. And, and I was in that job for three years before I uh, was elevated to assistant coach. And so now I'm going on my 16th year as, a, as, as an assistant coach. But you know, those are great memories. And, I, you know, as much as we all aspire to, uh, you know, to, to move on to another job or a higher level or a better title or more pay, you know, I do think for, you know, for me, I've got great memories of being, you know, a young guy in the business trying to trying to learn, you know, what it was all about. That's terrific. You know, during the Laranega era at Mason, you guys had a lot of local guys on the roster. Yeah. Talk about the talent level in the DMV. You know, even the walk-ons you guys had probably could have played scholarship-level Division II basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, we were fortunate, obviously, to – to, to be there uh, at a time where the, you know, as it still is, the talent uh, in the DMV was just so great. I, you know, when we went to the final four or five starters from the state of Maryland, I uh, went back to the NCAA tournament in 2008. I think four of our starters and our six men were from the area. Um, and it was, it was, uh, there was so much volume of talent. I always tell people, if you look at the 2004 All-Met team, just go on the internet, you know, Google 2004 DC, you know, All-Met basketball team. You know, it's just incredible to see the names of guys. I mean, people, you know, that you don't even really think about, you know, maybe like a guy like Joe Alexander, who I believe was the 16th pick in the draft, uh, you know, from, from sort of rural Maryland and, and, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, Roy Hibbert. And then for us, we wound up getting guys like, you know, Will Thomas, Fallon Campbell, Jai Lewis, Lamar Butler, Tony Skin, um, you know, in our Final Four team. You know, Isaiah Tate, Cam Long, um, you know, Brian Allen, who's still playing professionally, you know, from the air, Chris Fleming, who's a good player for us. Uh, uh, you know, the names just go on and on. You know, uh, we were very, very fortunate to be smack dab there in, a, in an area where there were a lot of really good basketball players. It's awesome. And I'm sure I'm missing people, too. Oh, I mean, it's too many to name, obviously. Yeah. You know, leading up to the 2006 Kryptonite Kids who advanced to the Final Four, when did you guys realize you had something special brewing in the Patriot Center? Um, you know, I, I think uh, – we had a we had a we had a team that lost in the championship game and won, broke a school record for wins in 2004, and then the next year um, that Will Thomas, Fowler, and Campbell, John Vaughn uh, recruiting class uh, comes in uh, to join Tony Skin, uh, Jai Lewis, Lamar Butler, and we were very young, no seniors really, and uh, we could score a lot of points, and like most young teams, we had a hard time defending. And uh, we had an okay year, but we had everybody back, and Coach really, you know, put the – you know, I would say he just got laser-focused on getting that team to have the sort of success that he his expectation was. And, you know, we did some things in terms of in the weight room and, and uh, really put an emphasis on, on that part of it to get that younger team physically tough enough and strong enough. And then – uh, before the season, this is a story that's been told many times, but um, 
coaches very close with Dr. Bob Rotella, who does a lot of work with our program, does a lot of work with Kentucky, and then a number of different people in all walks of life, mostly golf. But, you know, Dr. Rotella uh, had asked guys, hey, close your eyes and you know, dream the biggest dream that you can for for our team. And, and Lamar Mutler said, hey, we're, I, I dream we're in the final four. And everybody kind of laughed. And then Dr. Rotella sort of centered them and said, no, you know, look what, if you don't believe that, then you believe in somebody else. And then you got to decide, do you believe in you or do you believe in other people? And, um, you know, that turns into uh, the final four run. We, we did a couple of things. We, t- we took a bad beating at home to Creighton. Uh, Anthony Tolliver and a guy by the name of Nate Funk, who was a great player in NBC. And uh, and we changed two things. We changed our defense. We uh, went much more uh, in the gaps and in a pack. Uh, back then, you know, we were in the passing lanes a lot more. We sort of j- made that adjustment, and then uh, we moved uh, Fowler and Campbell to the point, and Tony Skin off the ball. And you know, while they were both, you know, handlers, you know, just changed the way we played a little bit. And, and from there, you know, we, we wound up, you know, having a great year. No question. You know, during your nine years at Fairfax, you received recognition from you know Hoop Scoop as one of the top you know, 25 non-BCS assistant coaches. You, you know, for five years, you attend the Villa 7 Intorium. You know, you never come across as a self-promoter. So how do you think you develop such a strong reputation within the coaching business? Um, well, I, I don't know. I think every time you get on those lists, people probably think you're a self-promoter. Um, but, but um, yeah, you know, I think being genuine uh, hopefully is something I, sh- I try to do. You know, I try to be the same guy, uh, you know, no matter who I'm dealing with. And then, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, just longevity. Um, you know, being able to be in the job and an assistant coach for, for a long time. You know, haven't, haven't been a head coach. Uh, a lot of guys that I started with are head coaches and been very, very successful. Other guys, uh, you know, are out of the business because it's a hard business to stay in. And so I think very fortunate to – you know, I've had the longevity to this point that, that I've been able to have and, and hopefully will continue to have uh, because uh, while I'm 40 years old now, I, I've probably got to work another 30 years. So uh, i got to figure that out between now and then. Yeah, you're a part of just so many great George Mason teams that regularly made the postseason. How you how are you guys able to sustain the success you had in the early 2000s all the way to you know 2011? Well, again, I, obviously we had really good players. Uh, uh, we got our program to the point where we, um, you know, it felt like we, we were just getting to the point where we really consistently felt like we could be at the top of the league uh, in terms of, you know, we were at the top of the league, but really um, our goal was to try to get to the point where we were in the NCAA tournament every year. And uh, while we didn't quite get there, I think we were we were on a path, you know, going to the tournament in 2006 losing the championship game in 2007 back to the NCAA tournament 2008 uh, championship game in 2009 uh, and then 2011 going back to the NCAA tournament so we had a you know people talk about the final four but we're also I'm very proud of what happened after the final four uh, because I think we were really consistently one of those teams that you were either seeing in the in in the NCAA tournament uh, or, or or right there you know playing on that Monday uh, in this NBA championship game. Okay. You know, how difficult was it to move to Miami? Obviously, the pay 
is much you know higher, arguably the premier conference in the nation and traveling style. But it was the unknown of, you know, could Coach Larnega have success at the higher level? Yeah, and I think, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit because I think a lot of people in his position, you know, around 60 years old at the time when he did it, you know, he was um, being compensated very well at, at George Mason. Uh, it, we were at the top of the league, uh, had a very good team returning, and just won a game in the NCAA tournament. And he was really a legend. You know, he was a Washingtonian of the year. Uh, at one point, he was really a fixture in the, in the D.C. community. I mean, um, and to give that up, uh, to, to, to come to a sort of a, a place that had had, you know, sort of some pockets of success, but not, not a place that anybody thought was a real powerhouse. I mean, I think you got to give him a lot of credit. And I don't, I don't know that there are a lot of people who would have made that decision. Um, so, you know, first, you know, that, you know, again, he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. That choice took a lot of courage to do that. Uh, as it turns out, you know, I think it was a great move. And, you know, our league is uh, its a great league to coach in. It's a fun league uh, when you're winning. <laughs> it's not as fun. It's pretty daunting when you're not winning. But, um, you know, there were adjustments in terms of, you know, maybe one of the things is, is the, the local recruiting. Uh, George Mason became you know, really national recruiting at Miami, and that was an adjustment um, for, for, for certain reasons. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate that we were left a pretty good team, and, and then we were able to get Shane Larkin in the summer. Uh, we had recruited him at George Mason, and, and he was at DePaul and, and, you know, really wasn't having a great experience that summer. Uh, more to do with, um, you know, being away from home than anything. And, uh, and so we're fortunate enough to go from, you know, okay, we've got a decent team here that hasn't had much success in the league, but maybe we can get them, uh, you know, to, to move forward as they grow older to, hey, let's take that group and let's throw the player of the year in the league into the group. And now we've got a team that in the second year wins wins the ACC and goes to the Sweet 16. So uh, that certainly helped the transition. But there's there's a lot of learning to uh, to be done. And, and uh, you know, it's really trial and error. And, and you got to get a little lucky. Yeah, you know, you guys obviously made waves in the ACC pretty quickly. You know, I, I remember thinking this is as a George Mason fan. In 2013, the ACC regular season, ACC tournament title, coach was named AP Coach of the Year. And Luke Hancock's name – Final four most outstanding player. If George Mason yep. only made him the highest paid coach in the CAA, we could have <laughs> had Coach L and Luke both in Fairfax. What was it like watching <laughs> Luke win the national championship? Well, I was so happy for him, and, and he's uh, you know he's still somebody we stay in touch with all the time. And, um, there's so many good layers to his story. Um, you know, we took him. I had really no offers, and and. Uh, went to Hargrave as a full payer for Kevin Keats at the time. And he had one uh, Toledo had come in and offered him. We went down, Michael Huger, who's the head coach of Bowling Green, went down to see him and, and he, um, see another kid actually. And Luke played really good that day. And he came back up and said, coach, I, I'd like to bring you down and see Luke Hancock. He's from Roanoke. And at the time his girlfriend was at George Mason. And uh, yep. so coach goes down and sees him and he doesn't play well. And coach is like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I can't offer this guy. I mean, he was division three recruit. He's, he wasn't very good. And, and, uh, so then he comes back and says, Hey, why don't, uh, Chris, why don't you and Eric go down there, uh, and see him 
next week, and, and at least we've all seen him. And Eric and I make the drive down to Hargrave, and uh, we watch him play in a, in a pickup game there. And he was terrific, and, and I remember calling on the way back to Coach. I, we had a big class, about six scholarships, and we said, yeah, you know what, we, we should we should take Luke, and, and I think he'll just come because his girlfriend is in school here. So uh, pretty quickly after that, we were able to get him, and we didn't really necessarily know what we had until we, we scrimmaged Georgetown uh, in his freshman year. And, you know, we all through the preseason, you know, we weren't really sure. And then, you know, he gets in, you know, live competition and, and the competitive juices get flowing. And he, he was great in that scrimmage. And obviously the rest is history. And then, uh, ironically, you know, I had interviewed at Louisville with Coach Patino, uh, you know, kind of around the time that all this was going on with our move to Miami. And so did Kevin Keats. And, Kevin wanted to get the job, and uh, when we decided we're leaving, Luke wanted to come with us to Miami, and they wouldn't release him to us. So we had to, uh, you know, Luke said, well, I'm leaving anyway, and he's getting recruited, and, and Coach Keats calls me and says, hey, you know, you're getting a lot of calls uh, from high major schools on Luke. And I said, yeah, you know, and he says, well, I'm starting to think, like, maybe we should take him at Louisville. Do you think, do you think he can help us? Because if I – take this guy that played for me in high school and uh, and he's no good. I mean, Coach Patino is going to be all over me, you know. And I, I said, you know, I, look, I, I do think he can and, and here's why. And and then Coach Patino calls me like the next day and I sort of give him the same spiel. And uh, luckily it worked out and it kind of makes everybody look like uh, like they knew what they were talking about. But, uh, you know, obviously Luke is just a great competitor and a tough guy and, you know, um, just one of my all-time favorites. So, you know, in nine seasons at the U, the Hurricanes have gone to six postseason, you know, appearances, you know, four NCAA appearances, a pair of Sweet 16s. What's been your best memory so far from all the success you guys have had down in Florida? Well, there's been so many. I mean, I think the had some really exhilarating uh, wins. You know, obviously going to two Sweet 16s, winning the ACC championship, uh, some incredible road victories. And, you know, I think winning on the road, as we all know, is such a hard thing in college basketball. So, you know, to have won at Duke multiple times, won at Carolina multiple times, you know, won at Syracuse, won at Virginia, you know, won at Florida State a couple of times, um, you know, won at NC State, man, the list goes on. I mean, we've had, you know, some, some great experiences, you know, having guys drafted, you know, being there at the draft and, and, and watching guys fulfill their lifelong dream, I think is uh, something that's really uh, been been pretty cool. And, and uh, you know, kind of turning uh, Miami, you know, I'm not going to say into a basketball school because, you know, we've been great in football. We've been great in women's basketball, great, great in baseball, track. I mean, we have so many great sports. But, you know, becoming relevant in the community, you know, having, having A-Rod at our games, having um, LeBron at our games, uh, Kobe at our games, uh, selling out the arena, um, creating a great environment here, I think has been really, um, you know, fulfilling for, for our program because, you know, it's more than just the winning, but just changing the culture of how, how, um, how the program is viewed in the community, I think has been something that's been pretty neat. So, you know, so Mark, year 19 on staff with Coach Larnega, it's longer than most marriages, especially so <laughs> What's the key to working together for so long and having so much success together? Well, I think it's probably him putting up with me uh, <laughs> for, for as long as he's been, as long as he's been willing to, 
but uh, you know, I, I think uh, for, for me, it's been just a great experience. You know, coach gives you a lot of autonomy. Uh, he's also demanding, uh, but he's not demeaning. Um, you know, I think the other thing for us is uh, you see why, you know, he's been at some you know, quote unquote difficult jobs, you know, jobs that are a little bit more difficult than, than most, uh, you know, in their leagues, even George Mason, as you know, David, like was seven straight losing seasons before he got there. And, uh, you know, you guys got 650 plus wins uh, at places that are not the easiest places to win. So um, you learn a lot, uh, you keep growing, and he includes you in, in, in almost every decision in terms of, you know, maybe not, you're not the decision maker, but, you know, he's always sort of meeting with the staff and letting them know how he views things, things what he's thinking. And I think it's really prepared me uh, if I get an opportunity because I've really touched every piece of, uh, of the program. You know, in 2015, you're elevated to the associate head coach. What did it feel like to get that recognition? Well, it was certainly nice. I mean, Mike and Eric were able to uh, move on, and, and uh, you know, we were – you know, there was really no hierarchy when we were together here at Miami. We all kind of uh, did a lot of the same work. Uh, you know, there was no associate head coach at that time. Just all of us sort of working together. And, you know, I think, you know, for me it was just a, a nice thing that coach was sort of rewarding my loyalty and uh, the work that I had done. But um, – you know, I think it also adds a responsibility and you sort of ask yourself, are you, uh, you know, you holding up your end of the bargain as it relates to, you know, maybe what the title um, requires. Okay. You know, again, you, you've received a lot of accolades, you know, this past July, you're named ACC, you know, one of the top five assistant coaches, the Silver Waves Media, who, uh, you know, put out a ton of top 50 lists. You're named one of the top 50 high major assistants. With all these accolades, have you ever been tempted to branch off and take a head coaching job, you know, whether it's low major, mid-major, Division two, just, you know, branch off and just take a head coaching role? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've been involved in uh, a number of different jobs, uh, some, some a little bit closer to, uh, to, you know, getting the job or taking the job than, than others. But I've gone through those experiences um, – I think the one thing is I've always felt like I've really enjoyed, you know, where I work, who I work for, who I work with. Uh, I've had great stability and uh, I do want to be a head coach, uh, but but I also don't discount that that I've got a great situation here uh, at Miami. I had a great situation at at George Mason. Um, And so, uh, you know, while I do have the, uh, you know, the, urge to run my own program and uh in a lot of ways uh I, I get i get an opportunity to do a lot of the things that a head coach gets to do uh here because of coaches trust in me but uh, on the other hand um you know i do feel very very fortunate and i believe in what we, we do and so i'm uh you know there's not a day that goes by that i resent you know that part of it because i really enjoy being a part of something and and building uh, as we have and sort of rebuilding here. Uh, th- that's been very fun and fulfilling. Coach, I can clip this question out if you want me to, but, you know, I'm sure you've had opportunities. What would the right situation look like that you'd want to take over at the head coach as far as, you know, size of the school, geographic location, conference, et cetera? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Coach Patino. I heard Coach Patino say this, and uh, I thought it was a great way to describe, you know, what you might be looking for. And, you know, I think it's one, you know, who you're working for, you know, uh, your, your, your administration, your president, your board, you know, do, do you align with those people and their values and virtues? And, and then two, um, uh, after that, you know, do I want to live in that place? Because ultimately, you're going to have to bring your family there. I've been very fortunate when you get a chance to live in Fairfax, Virginia, and Coral Gables, Florida. Uh, those are two wonderful places, you know, great locations, lots to do, diversity, uh, you know, places that are easy to get in and out of. Uh, so for me, uh, you know, that that's very, very important uh, because your family's going to be there a lot more than you're going to be there. And then three, you know, can you recruit to that place? You know, is that place uh, a place that has um, some of the things uh, that you can that you can recruit to? Some of the not all of them. They don't have to have all the things, uh, but they've got to have some tangible um, sort of data points where you can say, hey, yeah, this is this is the place I can recruit to, whether it be geography or history or facilities or commitment or what have you. You know, you you touched on family. What's it like being a girl dad? Well, certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's been great for me and uh, really, uh, I don't know, people always ask, you know, do you want a boy? And it, it doesn't really matter to me. In some ways, I feel like I would torture the boy into being a good basketball player. So maybe it'd be better that I don't uh, have a boy at this point. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I think uh, when you're a parent, you know, most people would just say, hey, if, if your children are healthy uh, when they're born, and that, 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 that's it. I don't need anything else outside of that. You know, let them be healthy and, and we can, you know, we can figure out the rest. But, you know, uh, I think being a girl is, uh, it's a good way to, uh, you know, have you get in touch with your softer side a little bit because you're around uh, so many uh, alpha males every day <laughs> that it's, uh, it's a good chance to, uh, to maybe, you know, get in touch with a little bit of balance in, in yourself. It's awesome. Coach, we've come to the segment I call Start, Bench, Cut. I give you three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Okay. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Oh, so I got to say, oh, man, this is tough. I, uh, well, I got to start Adidas because that's, uh, that's who I'm with now. Okay. Uh, I guess I had to bench uh, Nike because we were Nike, and then – uh, Under Armour, although I've got a lot of friends that work for Under Armour because I've never had them. I'm just going to go ahead and cut them. Okay, okay. Uh, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Yeah, I mean, I, if anybody's going to cut any of those three guys or even put them on the bench, you got to be crazy. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, com- comparison is the thief of joy. Um, you know, uh, very, very difficult one. Um yeah, I would say I would probably have to start uh, Jordan. Uh, I'd probably, uh, man, it's a tough one. I, I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bench Kobe. Uh, rest in peace. And then I'll say I'll cut LeBron. But man, only <laughs> that's like choosing between one of your children, which one you like better. You know? <laughs> that's usually the toughest one for coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, cookout, Chick Fil A, Zaxby's. Oh, my, very easy for me. I, I'm a pretty healthy, so I would say cook, cook out because uh, I think it, it, it actually seems like it was grilled outside. Um, 
uh, I'll start cookout. I will, uh, I don't like either of the other two, but I'm going to go ahead and say uh, bench Zaxby's and cut Chick-fil-A. I know that, that's probably not a popular thought. But... Okay. Uh, last one. Semi-pro, white man can't jump, Celtic pride. Yeah, I, I, I uh, start white man can't jump, bench semi-pro, uh, cut Celtic pride. Okay. Coach, last two questions. You know, who are three guests I should have on the podcast, and what advice do you have for younger coaches? Oh, well, I would say, you know, look, uh, you know, guys like uh, Eric Conkle, uh, Michael Huger, um, uh, you know, uh, th- those two guys in particular, I think, would be would be great. James Johnson's guy I worked with as well, uh, who, who's, you know, I, we've had so many guys. I mean, I could give you – 10 guys, I mean, that, that we've had. Um, so anybody I've worked with, I think would have great perspective, you know. Uh, what advice is I would give? I would just say, you know, you try to be a lifelong learner. You know, try to have humility. Um, try to be genuine. You know, I think that's maybe the biggest thing that coaches have to understand is, you know, when you're, when you're coaching uh, your guys, if, if you're not going to be yourself, if you're going to try to be somebody else, uh, the players will see through that. Um, I heard somebody say, I think it's really true, you can't lead people until you know who you are. I think there's a lot of people that are trying to lead others and they're still not sure who they are. Uh, I think you got to come to grips with like who you are, uh, what you're about, and then that's your best chance to lead others. Um, so uh, I would say those are a couple of things. That's just great. You know, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, social media, what have you, uh, what's the best way? Yeah, I'm not a huge social media guy, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I mean, you can find me. I'm not even sure my hashtags there, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to, to get a hold of. And uh, look, if somebody wants, David's got my cell phone number. If you want to, you know, get with him and, and shoot me a text or whatever, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Me being a, a lifelong Fairfax and George Mason uh, person, I, this is this is like Christmas getting to interview you. Oh, geez, that's a little, that's a little much, but I'll, I appreciate the uh, the compliment. And uh, you know, we uh, uh, listen. I love my time with George Mason. Uh, great people. There's great people there still. Uh, you know, Coach Paulson's doing a good job, and he's a good guy. And um, you know, always root for the Patriots. Look forward to having uh, a lot of success down at uh, Miami and, uh, you know, best of luck this upcoming season. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. So I'll clip that, man. You were awesome. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. No problem. Now tell me, where are you coaching now? So I haven't announced it yet, but I uh, just got on at Davidson County Community College. Where's that? Uh, North Carolina. Oh, so near, near Davidson. Uh, so, so this is more in the Greensboro area. So oh, cool. I was out this it? past year. Uh, Who's the head coach? Head coach is Matt Ridge, who was a JV player and then manager at uh, at UNC. Oh, cool. So cool. they were 30-1 and one last year, so kind of <laughs> high wow. expectations. Yeah, he's had a lot of success. You know, a lot of low one and, you know, Division two guys. But uh, right. they just moved up to Division two JUCO last year. Uh, I was at cool. Cal-
two years and then centenary college for a year. So I, I got to meet Eric a couple of times in Louisiana, but, uh, and then five years high school before that. But yeah, I was just going to practices and games this past year. So I'm just glad to be back in it. Yeah. Well, I, um, you're doing great stuff with the podcast and if I can ever do anything to help, let me know. No, I appreciate that coach. Appreciate it, brother. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.